Welcome to the Bocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And five guesses what the Weedy Weedy for April is about. Okay, um, here's your five guesses. Cannabis, weed, the devil's lettuce, mota, marijuana, Mary Jane. Ding, 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 ding. I'm a winner. We just celebrated 420 around the world. And in New Mexico, this is the first 420 where we are completely legal for possession, for purchase, without having to have a medical card. That's right. Recreational cannabis is legal in Nuevo Mexico. I should say there's an ounces that goes with it. So, like, you can't just carry around five, you know, pounds of it. No, there's a whole thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's a whole thing. But the point being, we have joined several other states around the U.S. Mm -hmm. that now have legal recreational cannabis. Ta-da! It's crazy. And Charlene... We were looking at news clippings from the first weekend <laughs> in April that uh, we had legal use, recreational use here in the state, and the amount of money in the first weekend alone. $5.2 million. Million dollars. In sales. In the first weekend. I'm going to go with one million of those was probably Texans. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody coming over the border of their state to New Mexico to imbibe. Right. And, you know, we, we kind of joke here in, in Las Cruces or in the borderland area that, you know, any empty building that was empty is oh, yeah. now a dispensary. If it's spray painted black, it's about to be a dispensary. <laughs> but it's kind of true. No, I know. It's like, a thing. There used to be just right around the corner, all of a sudden, we went from a school that did um, a beautician school, mm-hmm. now a dispensary. Oh, yeah. I mean... I really did think that we were going to have smog problems of a different <laughs> sort <laughs> in our area. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. But that is what our Weedy Weedy for April is about. It's really about weedy and weedy. Exactly. And, okay, so there's a lot of aspects to this that intersect with the brown lives. Oh my goodness, this is a pocha issue through and through. And let's, I think, let's lay down what it means for New Mexico to have recreational cannabis be legal. It, it essentially means that now there's a regulation act that sets rules for who can sell, who can buy, how much can you sell, how much can you buy. There's a tax system that's attached to this now. So the money, we know where it's going in the state. There's all of these rules and regulations that now go with a substance that used to just be like your homie with the skunk weed down the road. Right. And, and it's not just who can sell and who can buy in an agricultural state, which I have always argued is if we miss out on this boat as an agricultural state, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So it's also mm-hmm. who can grow. Yep. Who can and grow. how many plants you can have. And that was a bit of a discussion with the legislation was small time growers versus the big business that's going to come in inevitably. Yes. And who knows best about growing in New Mexico than the people who are probably going to have smaller time licenses right so we didn't want for it to just be these folks who have been growing in other states who have millions and bajillions of dollars in the cannabis industry to be able to come in pop their money down and take advantage of the money that's available in our state we want this to go to the folks that have been farming all kinds of shit that we've been eating for decades because they know how to work the land they 
their hands have been in this dirt for decades. We want them to benefit from this if that's something that they want to do. Right. We also want people who, like, have been in the industry illegally, like, quote-unquote illegally, right? Like, Sure. But when it, when it was illegal for possession or use or whatever, I mean, they are the people who know the industry inside and out, how to grow, how to, like, so it's, it's this combination of our agricultural people who's under their nails is the very soil of which the roots of their family have been on, and also individuals who under their nails is the business of cannabis for decades dude if you can look at the plant and i because i've been down this road too people looking at the plant and talking about the color and the stickiness and the this and the that like they love this plant they love this medicine Mm -hmm. and want people to enjoy this product that has been given to us by the good lord Absolutely, I'm. You it's know, I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent with those people who yep. are like looking at it like this is because they're looking at it like it's a fine wine. Absolutely, the like smell, I've been the... cultivating this knowledge for years. Right? Finally, it's my moment. And they've got the strain of this oh, and yeah. the seed of mm-hmm. that, and they've mm-hmm. cross pollinated. I'm just wondering if we're gonna have some that like it grows right next to jalapeno or or um, chile field. <laughs> And what's that going to smell like when you, yes. <laughs> when you spark it up? Yes, I love it. It's like, is that roasting chile? No. I know. That's my doobie. <laughs> and so, is, our, is our state university going to incorporate that in its agricultural yes. academia? Oh, let's hope so. I really do. Opportunity scholarship, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean, Kat? It means people 21 and up can now purchase recreational cannabis and there are limits you can't get more than two ounces of cannabis no more than 16 grams of an extract and 800 milligrams of edible cannabis at a time 800 milligrams i don't why would you measure it in such a thing that sounds like a shitload of weed i can't even imagine what that looks like is that like is that that like like a a pot of brown yeah what is that is that a thing of brownies is Is that that like a a five pound bag of gummy worms I i don't know what we're talking about here but And anyone 21 or older can grow six mature plants and six seedlings, and you can have a maximum of 12 mature plants per household. So there's all these rules now about this thing that was unregulated and illegal for years, decades. Centuries before it was officially, they officially put the clamp down on uh, cannabis in the u.s right. and it's even funny to, to look at the history of marijuana versus cannabis and how oh, even the, the use name. of the word <laughs> was used to stereotype a certain you know brown individual who mm-hmm. smoked so that they can make it illegal and the ties that it has to not just racism but immigration policy going down that rabbit hole of its history um in the u.s is was a fascinating learn. The, the, this is still slightly confusing for people, myself included, because cannabis is not federally legal. So it's state by state. Some folks have said this is allowable in our state, but it blurs the lines for crossing state lines, for doing all kinds of travel, for other things that you know are 
for people that work um, for the federal government that are not allowed to use because they could be drug tested and lose their jobs. Like it's still federally illegal, but many states are popping up. But I do want to go down this rabbit hole, cat. So take me. Okay. So here we go. Grab my hand. Let's go. <gasps> I'm late. I'm late oh. for a very important date. Wow. And that date we overslept because we were probably having an edible. Yes. 800 grams of which. <laughs> um, so it. I had mentioned that it's tied to immigration. So picture it. Late 1800s, the U.S. We had just finished the Spanish-American War. And there were a lot of folks who were crossing the border between Mexico and the U.S. And, of course, because those people were not white people coming over, there was a lot of panic about immigration and racism. Mm -hmm. So because of that, there was, um, you know, there was this start of tying together the use of cannabis, which was then still called cannabis and used in a medical, you know, Mm -hmm. with a medical use. And um, there was that tie between the use of it and the people who were coming over and they started putting together people who were coming over and using cannabis were going to like quote unquote sully the fabric of the u.s yes and it started down that path of immigration laws tied to drug laws and racism all mashed into one which you know for our black and brown listeners not new, but maybe you didn't know the specifics of it. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I always knew that was the case, but that was kind of the start of it. And specifically, there was this guy, the, the first commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, um, now called like the DEA, Anslinger. La Dea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he used tropes of immigrants using um, cannabis. Um, and he, he and he was the one who most prominently pushed the use of marijuana instead of cannabis because even the the word of it, like the pronunciation, sounded it sounded foreign. So he's using these tropes to tie together like anti-immigrant sentiment, mm-hmm. racism, mm-hmm. to basically stop the use of cannabis. And the first actual law was in 1937. This is fascinating to me, Kat, because you're talking about medicinal properties and and we've had medicinal cannabis for a little while now right well hallucinogenic drugs like peyote were being used in mexico for ages this is what people were were using for ceremony for medicinal purchase purposes indigenous mexican people are using peyote and other hallucinogenic drugs well in come the spanish and they're like this is the devil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're mad. This is the devil. You're crazy. We cannot associate with this. You're bad people. Whoever does this is bad. So here starts the stigma. Mm-hmm. Here starts the the colonizer lens of what cannabis is, does, and who uses it, right? Well, then the Spanish are also the ones who brought cannabis to Mexico as a fiber, as a useful fiber, which hemp is Mm -hmm. a useful fiber for many, many things, right? Well, then the idea that the effects of the drug is related to the devil and the madness that's the same as peyote and other hallucinogens start to seep in, and now it's just all a blur. Now it's just all one. And then you put alcohol into this too. So now the elite are like, those are all bad things. Mm -hmm. All of these things are bad. There's a stigma. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, then you have, you fast forward to the 19th century, you have Mexican soldiers and prisoners 
who are smoking weed. Mm -hmm. So now it's not only what is the substance, but who is using the substance. So exactly what you're saying. The caliber, quote unquote, of people that are utilizing this drug are a low class, immigrant, brown, we don't want them. So even in Mexico, weed is outlawed and seen as something that is not what people want to be doing. So back in the day, people from Mexico are coming to the States to purchase medicinal <laughs> cannabis and <laughs> smuggle it into Mexico. Oh, how the, mm. the tables had turned. So so it's tied, significantly yes. tied, right? And then it just gets worse over the years. Um, and, you know, during this, this time as well, Anslinger is also in the U.S., Anslinger is also into prohibition but we see that go to the wayside um and you know predominantly because who's doing a lot of the the liquor runs like who owns some of those is like white people as opposed Mm -hmm. to who is running um cannabis into the u.s right so fast forward from the very first law that we saw in 37 it keeps getting stigmatized it keeps getting tied and we move into the war on drugs under nixon who well the, the war on drugs started before nixon but he's the one who really ramped it up so in 1970, they had the, the Controlled um, Drug Use uh, Act, and I, I don't I don't, don't want to say that that's its official name, but um, and they used or they had uh, marijuana as a Schedule One drug, so drugs with no medicinal use. That's a Schedule One, no medicinal use, mm-hmm. and high potential for misuse. Which this is how it started. It right. was medicinal. medicine, and peyote is also under there, which. Mm-hmm parallels peyote is used by indigenous communities here in the u.s as well and it parallels the anti-indigenous movement right that's happening so you have these two you know drugs that brown and indigenous people have been using Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of anti-immigrant and anti-indigenous sentiment Mm -hmm. so those are some of the ones that are put under under the schedule one of the 1970 law there are there are two other schedules but they they are they are about like medicinal like for prescription use like oxy um so anabolic steroids when you look at the who is using Mm. versus the what is being used when you look at prescription medication and the problem that we are currently facing in the united states how long it took to admit it was a problem a how long it took to bring people to I mean, even justice in front of courtrooms to say you as a pharmaceutical company willingly, knowingly brought people into addiction on something that doctors were being encouraged to prescribe, knowing its addictive properties. But who was using? Oh, yeah. White people, prescriptions, people with health care, people with access to medication versus prisoners, soldiers, brown people black people blue collar the blue collar people i this is it's not shocking to me but just to to further lay the landscape there is a quote that just like then there's also the fear factor so we're establishing this as a foreigner problem these Mm -hmm. are the brown people bringing in this drug right this is bad it's bad because it's them not us so in 1970 the treasury department report noted that the chief concern was Mexicans and sometimes Negroes and lower class whites smoking marijuana for pleasure. And the the fear was that they could either harm or assault upper class white women 
under the influence and that they would drag in lower class whites to the use of cannabis. Oh, if you could see my eye what? roll that I just did. <laughs> the actual fuck. So then we, you know who this is bad for? The helpless white women. Mm-hmm. The helpless white women who were all out there protecting bullshit is who we need to worry about. Protecting because they are property. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, it might not legally be phrased at that, but that's what it, the white Christianity is saying. Like, this is our property. This is who we want to protect. The, like, southern The veil. most vulnerable of our people. Yeah. It Just gross. Just disgusting. It's and so it, gross. And it persists. And it persisted, you know, with the war on drugs where they have the trifecta of mandatory minimums, harsh penalties, and then compounding the penalties for repeat offenders. Like, and, like let's just talk about the war on drugs. What did the war on drugs do? It gave us a slogan. It gave it. I mean, nothing, nothing of substance. No, for it the did substances. not keep drugs out of the no. hands of youth. It criminalized and penalized people of color. Period. End of story. Period. With the T. Yes. Oh, cat, <sighs> and it's still happening. I so even now. of federal drug cases are brought against people classified as the H word, Hispanic, even though this group makes up 17% of the U.S. population. Now, that's hard to dissect because it it doesn't break down which of those cases are cannabis related. So, okay, fine. I'll go with you down that. But in New York, where they have compiled this data and have subgrouped it by Latinos, the H word, Hispanic people, Latinos are arrested at nearly four times the rate of white people for marijuana, even though the use is at comparable rates, and we know this. It's why groups like the Latino Cannabis Association, the National Hispanic Cannabis Council have been developed to help build some equity into this market, because now now that it's not just a foreigner, brown people, we're trying to corrupt all the good white people and attack all the white ladies problem, now it's a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. So now it's a different story because enter capitalism. Oh my God. And and a moneymaker indeed. I was listening to one business podcast that was talking about the business of cannabis. Seven to $8 billion legal market. Jesus. Currently by 2025, it'll grow to $45 billion. Billion oh with a B. My. With a B. We're talking like Jeff Bezos billion dollars. For weed. Right? And... And here's the shitter because we move into like we're not we're not just moving into from federally illegal I mean it still is but illegal in the states to legal we're moving into who can do the business better and who owns that business well and so who that, has been allowed to run exactly. business for decades and now has the upper hand so that billion dollar industry mm-hmm. is not going to the people who have been um knowing how to sell it, where to sell it, how to grow Absolutely. it best with the with the you know, with the dirt under their nails, how to do the agriculture. This is going to corporations. Who who used to sell headphones. Like Right. The dude bros who used to sell like this is not, you know, this is Craig from down the road who had a whatever business that has now incorporated his business know-how and his good little cute education and business into something that's going to be profitable profitable which just happens to be cannabis right and it's it's a pisser and where are 
the homeboys, where's the hint that, that were doing the jobs you were talking about when it was illegal? Well, <clears throat> that brings up a good point about expungement. Expungement mm-hmm. and can you get back into that industry? Like, you knew it. You may have an arrest record for it, been incarcerated for it. Can you get back into it? I mean, like, now that's basically a resume. It should be. And it, it should be. And it's not. Like, you bring your arrest record, like, <laughs> what are your qualifications for well, this job, sir? Right? Here's my rap sheet. All cannabis-related. You can see this dates back to 1997 when I had a small-time operation out of my high school. Right? Perfect. Exactly. But that, and that's not the case. Like, not we the would case. love for it to be the case, but it's not the case. And there are so many barriers to creating that business. Even if you know that business inside and out and you've been whatever, either selling or utilizing the product for a while, there's, like you had mentioned, there's different levels of licenses, but that takes money, right? And you can't get a bank loan for this because no federally insured bank can take a part of any of the cannabis-related stuff. So what bank do you go to to get a, a loan for your business? You go to like chacho's home loan down the i don't know you just so if you don't have that wealth already if you don't go in with your buddies who might have that wealth already sure you can't which means it's out once again out of of the hands of the people who have cultivated this industry from the very beginning when it wasn't cool right there's so there's no banks that that are going to loan you the money Mm -hmm. once you get if you get started once you get started you really can't go to a bank to even put your money in it's a cash only because your bank you can't use your card to to purchase because it's a cash only because it's federally you can't use that bank so then it's a cash only exchange there's no bank really that's going to take no federally insured bank that's going to take it um, plus the taxes on having a business like that, plus the licenses and the different type of license that you get for being able to it, they've made it kind of out of reach, even even if there was good intentions, right, Which, in like, the legislation. It's wh- still kind of out of reach. Good intentions through the legislation, absolutely. A slow clap New Mexico for <laughs> being, you know, in this thought of bringing a new economic peace to the state, to a state that has been in poverty for as long as it's been a state. Great. Good for you. Now, who are you going to trust, Kat? You you need weed, okay? It's, it's a Thursday night. You need some weed. Are you going to go to Beto, who's been doing this shit since 1996, straight out the back of his 64 Impala, or, like, dude bro who used to sell headphones? I'm going to go find I mean, Beto. I'm going to go with Beto. I'm going to go find Beto. He, Beto he knows, knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right? He's going to be like, do you need to fall asleep or do you need to cram for your, your exam tomorrow? You trying to party or... <laughs> or what? How many people with you? What's the... What's... You know... He's yeah. going to give you the lowdown because he's been doing this since 97. And because you're gente, I might give you a hookup. You exactly. don't know. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. And I find it very interesting that because it's still a criminalized issue, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you can carry two ounces of it, if you are, I don't know, you have a big graduation party coming up and you're like, two ounces isn't going to cover the first hour of graduation <laughs> party. We're going to need it's a little more. It's the new kegger. Or like, or yeah, or whatever. You you have the, the next UFC 276 is coming up <laughs> and you're going to have friends over. 
like there is still the criminalization that parallels right alongside the agricultural income of it. Yes. And who's going to get pulled over? Who's, who's going to be questioned? Who's going to have other charges laid on top of, I pulled you over because of, but now that you have a broken taillight and your tint's too dark, and, and, and. Oh, dear God, do you know that whenever I go visit my mom in El Paso, you know that I'm like, oh, it says 75. I'm going to do 74 so that I don't get pulled over because you know the cops are lined up on the Texas side waiting, oh. waiting for people. This is all the, the business political all the things piece of cannabis but i want to know kat what has your experience like when did you know what weed was what was your like adolescent experience with marijuana hold on i need to crack my neck for this all right here we go here we go so if this is your first episode (laughs) (laughs) in the pocha podcast welcome and, and you're catching up on the weedy weedy um my father was a full-time teacher during the day and then worked the graveyard shift at U.S. Customs at night. So weed in the house had always been a substance that was not just frowned upon. Mm-hmm. You never got close to it. Mm-hmm. So that was first and foremost my very entry level of like all of the stereotypes of who does it, lower class, brown uneducated all of those things were the bare minimum that was the foundation for which right and then my practical experience on the matter did not help the issue at all so next door there was um the house that it was you know owned by an individual who typically rented out to army families Mm -hmm. in at fort bliss And so when I was going to high school, there was a family who lived there and the eldest son was a smoker. Mm -hmm. And one day hanging out at his house, he did not have the proper funds. He couldn't go to the Mm. ATM at the time because there was no such a thing and re-up. So he was scraping the resin out of his pipe, putting it on a piece of paper and smoking that. And, you know, that's probably not the first practical experience that you want to see is like, oh my god you're like that's what you're doing right in this moment is scraping resin because it is an enjoyable substance right like you can um with different strains fall to sleep get your anxiety low help you eat like all of these different things Mm -hmm. that was my first like practical experience of like oh my god (laughs) that's that did not leave a great impression the first time that i used it though that is For me, chasing the dragon is I want to find that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I had that night because that is the (laughs) most amazing peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I have ever had in my life. It was all environmental. It it was the most beautiful experience that I've had with food. I love it. And that was, I mean, and that was the first time I used it. Do I use it on a regular? No, I'm an asthmatic human being who smoking is not going to be it for me. I haven't found an edible that has just sat right. I also don't know shit about the different strains. And some nights I want to fall asleep and some days at work I want to be productive. But I don't, I'm not going to go and sit and fiddle and try to f- figure out which one's going to work best. So if you are a bud tender and would like to <laughs> uh, help Cat out, give us a, a shout on social media Orale. or our email. Just at gmail.com. Just Cat? Okay, so what's your experience then, bud tender over there? 
Uh, it's interesting. Cypress Hill, um, going down that rabbit hole with a blunt. I was in love with Cypress Hill. In love. Uh, if you have been following us for a little while, there is a picture that I dug up. It's a terrible picture of me. But I'm visiting my familia in California and I am wearing a long sleeve t-shirt that has marijuana leaves down the sleeves that says Cypress Hill on it. The fact that my mother, A, did not beat my ass for owning this t-shirt because she had no fucking idea what it was or what it meant. And the fact that I walked into my tia's house like with this shirt on and everybody was like, didn't have any clue except for my younger cousins who were like, damn, she's OG, fuck, like she's badass, she wears a shit in front of her mom. I was like, mama, no, no shit. But, you know, whatever, I played it off. Um, it was very much, uh, and I was not a big smoker. Like, I did not enjoy smoking. I, but it felt like a cultural rebellion sort of thing that I was in. There was the whole, I mean, I do think there was a, a little underground movement that was very Cypress Hill, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube. Like, they were smoking. They were rapping about it. They were talking about it. They were singing about it. It was a thing. And it felt like part of this thing I wanted to be part of without having to be part of. I remember one of the very first times I ever got high. I was in high school. And we drove... An older friend of mine drove... I was a freshman she was probably a senior drove us out to the river because that's what people that's did what you do you right drive here. out to the river drove out to the river smoked a little bit of course i'm like what the fuck is happening this is what is happening to me right now so then she wouldn't let us get back in the car until we went skinny dipping in the river oh damn so this turned into a whole ass thing and of course we're skipping school like it's a whole fucking thing um well i miss charlene i know i am my flappers have been gasping <laughs> yes it was uh very outside of my all need to be in control all the things i was a very different person perhaps in my adolescence before the world had tainted me can i can i make a confession please do because <clears throat> i actually had forgotten about this until a high school friend had sent me a picture of uh, an old an old article in our high school newspaper and it was attitudes on people who wore shirts that had the cannabis leaf on it stop oh my god you were I am, all judgy i was judgy no i but i was i was like i don't know if you want basically not verbatim but i was like if you want to use it use it but don't don't advertise. advertise on shirts that you use it and i read that article and first i was like david you asshole for saving this and number two david you saint for saving this mm. and giving this to me to see how far things have come mm -hmm. and how how much i was influenced by u.s customs in this house oh, right oh yeah 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 and and just looking back on it i was like damn what a fucking prude man like my asshole must have been so tight i was popping out diamonds left right and center well on the opposite end i was advertising some shit i was not doing so <laughs> that's the whole thing okay so on the real like that was our that's our history of it like do you sure. imbibe so probably not as often as i should mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and i mm -hmm. will say that because i definitely have some anxiety issues um my husband on more than one occasion has told me 
you need some weed because I'm just a <laughs> little high strung, possibly. Um, and there was, and we may have talked about this on another show, but the first time I got high in a long time, I mean, like since high school days was, was not too long ago. And I was like, what the fuck? This isn't even working. Like what is even supposed to happen? He was like, well, maybe you didn't smoke enough. Like maybe we need to go back out and mm-hmm. smoke some more or whatever. I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I can't even believe I'm doing this shit. And I tried to get out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> the stand-up test did not go well. Okay. So that's where you're at now. Now that you have kids, it, is this something you... Like, how do you talk to them? Do you, would you ever do that in front of them now that it's like like it's like wine you drink? Sure. I, I'm going to be honest and say I don't think I even have worked through the layers of of stigma of colonization mm-hmm. of barriers that lead to marijuana in my own brain yet it's not something that i would do in front of the kids a because well a i wouldn't smoke it in front of them i might have an edible not like explaining to them oh mom's gonna get high like i'm not gonna do all that just because it doesn't feel like the right thing to do, but because you don't explain, you don't explain like when you take an ibuprofen, you don't explain no. when you do other things. So yeah, why no. would you? I, okay. I I don't think all of that. Um, definitely not with a younger child. With our son, who's older and about to graduate from high school, I think the conversations would be very much tied to um, what your what the expectations are for your behavior around intoxication, whether it be alcohol or drugs these are your rules like you do not drive you do not put other people in danger consent is always the 100 percent number one thing like all the the rules that go with intoxication Uh are then part of this conversation too interesting what about you so before it was officially legal here i i had the I have the very strict rule for myself of like if you're gonna ask about it you're gonna get the real from me like i am gonna tell you yeah i used it yeah, I have continued to use it on and off. It's not my thing on any regular basis, but I'm not going to lie to you and, and do some high, mighty moral thing. Mm-hmm. Now that it's legal, I don't smoke it for a couple reasons. Yes, I'm asthmatic. Although, yes, cigarettes were my thing for many years of my life, that right? so weird to me. I don't smoke it because I'm asthmatic. And now that I'm getting older, I see how shit just pile up and right. But also some of our kids are asthmatic. So I'm not going to do that in the house. Sure. And it's also stinky. Let's let's get real. Like there's yeah, no there's no amount of incense yeah. or sage yeah, that you no. can possibly do. No. I don't do it because it's not like my coping uh, substance of choice is liquor because mm-hmm. that's more easily accessible. I know what I'm getting when I look in the package. All of those things. Um, but I'm also very much like, you know. If you're going to be driving a car that I insure and that I own, no. When you do it, when you have your own vehicle and you can drive it on your own, take accountability for the things There's that you do. There's a responsibility factor for what you Absolutely. do. Absolutely. But I am not going to be like, don't do it because I would mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. I would be such a hypocrite. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. It's not a don't do it. It's a there's a responsibility that comes with you using a substance that is going to take you to a different place in your brain. And on the real, let's let's I'm just going to be very clear about this. All of my stepkids are white 
mm-hmm. there's a difference between Absolutely. what's going to happen to their accountability and what's going to happen to my accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and those aren't things that, you know, I can necessarily sit down and explain to them, but mm-hmm. I will, you know, I do tell them like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. You are responsible, and if you think we have enough money to bail you out, you're kidding yourself. And, and that goes back to the the whole thing we've been talking about the the pocha point, if you will. Mm-hmm. It is still stigmatized, and the people that face the stigma are brown, black people of color who may still be attached to this perception that it is a lower class thug, whatever issue. And just because a law is passed doesn't mean that every law enforcement officer, every employer, every school administrator is going to follow right along with the, okay, it's just fine now. There is a lot to uncover within our own brains and within systemic views of this particular substance. We got a long way to go. The game hasn't changed. The goalpost has changed. So you might not get picked up for under two ounces, but guess who's going to let go for over two ounces? Right. Not me. Right. Not you. Right. Not anybody sitting at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. Yeah. And that's just the bottom line. And that's where we always sit at that intersection. And if it means, you know, we were talking about in our county, in our, we're, we're the Texas-New Mexico border. We are the borderland. Does this mean increased police presence? Does this mean increased ICE presence? Does this mean now there's another reason for me to pull you over Mm -hmm. that's quote-unquote legal, but now I have an excuse to check out all the other things on the list of reasons why I can take you in? Now I can have just one more extra suspicion to pull you out, to check your car, to check your you know all of the things all the things and that bias still lives Mm -hmm. that stigma comes with a bias that is deep-rooted i mean we're talking about like our own we're all about this we're all about expungement we're all about the homie benefiting we're all about all of these things and it's still a thing that i'm trying to dust off where do i see things and how do i fit it into my own life and what's legal and what part is colonization and what part is assimilation and what part is medicine i'm still trying to dig through all of those layers so law enforcement employers other people who have power over our lives that's a whole other story are they doing the work i don't know Mm, that's that's a bigger question i did want to leave you with this so in in another place that i was um doing some research on there's an organization called supernova women mm-hmm. and it is networking for bipoc women who are in the cannabis industry Stop. yeah so look into that there was a staffing there's a bunch of staffing places for um uh, dispensaries and production mm-hmm. and all of the all of the aspects of cannabis where you can go in and and look because there's regulations and you have to take classes and all the you know the nine whole nine right so there's staffing places that help you find that help you train that do all of those things for staff that you need to have and you know if you are a company who is looking at sponsoring a podcast because you're new and upcoming in new mexico hey give us a shout out just because we don't currently smoke it don't mean we're not interested 
Oh, I'm interested. <laughs> I, I would love for someone to tailor right. some kind of cannabis schedule for me that will keep me on a sane plane. We we had uh, a couple of years ago, one of our first Bocha podcasts epi- episodios was doing a beer tasting. Um, I definitely <gasps> would not oh. mind like a smoke tasting or I don't even know what to call it. Just like an edible eating. I don't know. But, you know, it's going to have to be that and Doritos or that and chicken. So... Or yeah. that and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, whatever you got. We're ready. We're ready. Um, what is your hope for this, Kat? This, what, what do you hope this, in, in the ideal world, what would the legalization of recreational marijuana in New Mexico be for you? Um, well, so first, it wouldn't be just New Mexico. First, I think we should erase it off of federally. Mm-hmm. And I think that expungement should be mm-hmm. as far reaching, as far back reaching as possible with the acknowledgement on the federal on federal government's behalf that this entire time mm-hmm. it's been a, a a tool of the oppressor a very racist tool of the oppressor Ooh, right that's what yeah. I, that's ideal what i would love to have from the federal government government mm-hmm. for new mexico because our industry has been like our agricultural industry has been very pecans right or pecans depending on how you say it um and chile Mm -hmm. i want us to be a competing factor Mm -hmm. so that when people say like new mexico cannabis it Mm. is an amazing it's an amazing product that people want people want the stamped nm true on their brick weed love it that's that would be ideal for the state but federally i want that across the board for all of our gente Mm -hmm. and not just not just the latina community in particular the black community because that is just bullshit we also need peyote off the schedule one period and you dang so it feels cheating to say ditto uh but yes to everything you mentioned and you know there are people in my own family that I know have turned to cannabis to self-medicate for decades Hmm. because of a war, because of a trauma, Mm -hmm. because of whatever. And they were pushed further into their hole of isolation, isolation, depression, anxiety, because that was not a socially acceptable way to deal with their issues. Um, And I would love to just see those people be able to find a community again Mm. and be able to be in a world where their medicine is okay. Mm. I want to have one addendum. Oh, already? Oh, absolutely. There are non-citizens who went to go fight for us on a yep. variety of wars that got kicked out because that was their medicine. Yep. I want them back. I want them back and I want them to have their citizenship that they deserve. Yep. So uh, shooting for the stars. Shooting for the stars. It's okay. It's what no we have to do. No little ask. Yeah. Come on, federal government. Buck up. Like, just accept it. Also, if you can forgive student loans, that would be great too, Biden. <laughs> Please and thank you. Asking for a friend, literally asking for friends. Wow. Whew. This has been a hell of a weedy weedy. <laughs> every time I weedy weedy. Every time I say it, now that you mentioned it the first time, like now I'm like, yeah, it's weedy weedy. <laughs> uh, this is the Pocha Podcast. 
And where can people catch us? Oh my goodness. We are always on Instagram. Hi or not. Uh-huh. Normally on Facebook. We're going to have to talk about Twitter. Oh my, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what are we going to do with that now that it's being bought out and Elon Musk is all like That's free a, speech and a whole I'm like, other episode. Oh, free speech. Whole other episode. Oh. So uh, maybe on Twitter, but you can also go to our website, butterpodcast.com. You can stream all the stuffs. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. You can ask Alexa to play Butter Podcast. We're all over the place. Thank if you, you want to contact us about something, you can send an email to butcherpodcast.gmail.com. You can also just DM us on Instagram or Facebook and uh, we will respond because we don't have secretaries. <laughs> we are the admin. <laughs> we are the admin. <laughs> Co-host, admin, producers, marketing, everything. All the things. Um, and we keep saying this and I am putting it out in the world constantly. Like we are having some stuff coming up. We are going to have a live recording yes. of the show with a uh, with a, a company here that is, I love them. I think they're awesome. Mm. The hood. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to have a margarita throwdown that's going to be coming up. Oh so hold gosh. on to your tequila for that. Um, I'm going to place my bet on you having a better margarita. Not going to lie because I've never made one. So love it. But we, you know, we have plans. We're we're not just blowing smoke. We want we want to do some stuff. We want to be interactive. We want to engage with the listeners, not just in the Borderlands area, but if you're willing to fly over here and hang out, great. Carmen in San Diego, I feel you. We're ready. You're one of our OGs. You are. Come visit. Come visit. Um. So yeah, catch us on all of the things. And also, I'm Cat. I'm Charlene. And catch us on the flip side.